Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Chad. This month, we talked with JP Avila, Associate Professor of Art and Design at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. JP talked about the importance of narrative as a basic principle of design, distilling information as a currency of the future, and the struggle of staying in the moment versus chasing the next carrot. Enjoy. This is Design School. Welcome to This is Design School. This month we have a um, special meta episode for you. Um, My name is Chad Hall, and today I will be solo interviewing today, and I'll be interviewing my colleague, J.P. Avila, who normally co-hosts on the show with me. Hello. So, J.P., I'm really excited to interview you. I know on our very first, I think we called it... um, Episode zero zero. Episode zero zero. We sort of interviewed each other, and at that time, what was that, like four years ago now? I think so. Sometime in the summertime. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Never even touched a microphone before. Yeah. And so it was essentially just us talking in a relatively unstructured way. But I think today, now that we're in our third season, it's it'd be fun to kind of circle back to that and actually spend some time interviewing you in maybe a more structured way. Sure. So, JP, can you give us a little hint at kind of what your journey to design was and kind of where you started and how you found it? So, I uh, originally went to school to become a journalist. And that was my career path for many years before uh, in high school and then kind of partway through uh, college. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was also interested in doing was the yearbook. At the time, we had yearbooks. We had printed yearbooks. And um, I went to a small liberal arts school in um, northwest Indiana called Valparaiso. And I needed a job. Mm -hmm. And I heard that you could work for the yearbook or work for the newspaper and and they would pay you. So I thought, okay, that's, that's a good way of doing it. So I went and worked for the yearbook as the photo editor. And um, after a little bit of time, I got to become the, uh, the editor-in-chief of the yearbook. And at the time, the advisor for the yearbook was the graphic design professor. And he said, you know, I like the way you're thinking about these things and you've got an interesting eye. Why don't you take one of my classes? Well, I don't know. I think I was okay. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, why not? I need the credit. So I took one of his classes, and being the cocky 19 year old that uh, we all are at that age, I decided to take an advanced level design class. And uh, whoa, was that eye opening. But it also kind of gave me this, this awakening as to what I was missing from journalism. What journalism for me was is about storytelling. It's about having a complete understanding of the way that a beginning, middle, and end happens with facts and with details and really drawing a picture. Now, all of that that I just said is in relation also to, to, I would say, graphic design, which combines visual imagery, visual narratives, and combines them all together. So taking journalism and graphic design for me was really about 
having the, the complete package, text and image, complete narrative, complete uh, use of structures that I thought were only in one area. So I really fell in love with it and um, I didn't look back after that. Was it something about like more about involving more senses? Probably. I think it was very much a, a visual sense. The things that I could not get across in text, I could certainly get across in imagery. Yeah. Or the combination of the two made much more sense, mm-hmm. uh, especially typography and imagery combined together really was was, uh, was wickedly wild. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I, I think that's the way I kind of teach my classes, and that's the mm-hmm. way that I approach design still is is about narrative. Mm-hmm. So after that, I went to, uh, I worked for a bit, had a little studio, and um, then went back to grad school. I was missing the the classroom. I was missing the camaraderie, like the you and I are sitting across from each other and we chit-chat about design. And that was important. That was something that I often missed, especially in, in large groups. At Valpo, I had a really core group of friends that had the same sort of interest in design, interest in the arts, interest in journalism, and I really missed that. So grad school for me was coming back to that, coming back to the critique, coming back to the late nights, the sweating, the, mm-hmm. uh, the hard work, the, you know, the, the blood of it all, of really getting into it. And I really found that the importance of what I was finding in school was not just the camaraderie of it all, but the ability to think of projects beyond just one more deadline, just beyond the, I need this for a job. And so I started thinking about teaching and how did that work? And, and I still do freelance or I still did freelance. I don't do as much as I used to these days, but I found that it became much more enjoyable to teach students these ideas of visual narrative and the importance of combining the text and imagery together more than just a, here's the program, go get a job. Mm-hmm. Here's the technique, go get a job. And at the end of the day, you know, learning technology is, is a dime a dozen and, and it becomes even much more easier to do in the 21st century, in, in the 2010s, than it did in the 90s because of YouTube, because of lynda.com. You don't need to go to school, to grad school. You don't need all of those things. And, and quite a few students these days have that experience in high school. Mm-hmm. So my job as an educator, my job as a senior designer, is really about teaching them that skill that they're going to take into the 2020s, into the 2030s, which is narrative, which is understanding that information is a very powerful commodity that requires both text and image because we are such a highly visual community mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. yeah. So you went to grad school. I did, yeah. And what was, what was your focus of your time there? So I, um, so I, I went to the School of the Art Institute in Chicago, mm-hmm. and um, I got a Master's of Fine Arts in Visual Communications, and I did my thesis in Nonlinear Narrative Structure. 
Um, what that is, is I got my master's in storytelling or if I, at dinner parties, I could say I got my master's in comics. Hmm. So I looked at the way that people tell stories visually and in more than just your beginning, middle and end way of, of storytelling or in, in narrative structure. And what that does is, especially for design or for any type of work in, in visual communication, it's how do you get a, the point across? How do you get the narrative across? How do you get the story across? More than just giving them the introduction, the middle part, and the end part. How do you mix it up? Or how do you give them the plot at the end? How do you give them the, uh, the introduction in the middle? And, and so forth. It's very important, especially as we think about the way that narrative online, narrative in the interactive web sense mm-hmm. is very nonlinear. I can jump in through a search engine deep into a website without actually seeing the introduction of it. That that kind of work definitely has helped over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then how did that evolve into the work you did for your thesis? I remember... Uh, it was a very kind of personal based project that you did. It was. Yeah. So I did a, um, I have a really good friend from Valpo, uh, named Liz Werfel, who is actually a professor now at, uh, at Valpo. And she was coming back from, uh, the Peace Corps and we were chit chatting about projects that we would love to work on and showing her what I was doing. She was thinking about going back to grad school and we, um, we came up with some ideas. It was roughly about uh, the the midst of the Iraq war at the time. And so we were looking at different stories that were being told about the Iraqis as well as the Americans and the war itself. And so we came across a an organization that was doing relief efforts for the Iraqis and um, had been in the Middle East for several years, uh, especially since the Gulf War, and had all of these stories about how the experiences were happening. And what we were interested in exploring was more than just, here's the American side of the war, or, or here is the, the better side of the war. What we wanted to explore was that there is no good, there is no bad, there is no um, neutral there is just what happens. How do you tell the story through the facts, especially when you're not the one that is in the story, right? So it's not my personal story, but I'm trying to convey that story through the lens of two, three other people looking at storytelling more than just a perspective of, I have the right opinion because I'm the one telling the story, or I want to tell your side of things um, through your lenses is uh, I'm doing air quotes there um, is problematic because you're still trying to, to build from your own perspective. And so how do you, how do you dissect that into the, the, the minute pieces that make sense through those moments? And so it was um, a form of storytelling that was very much about pieces, not so much just about in the beginning, in the middle, and then in conclusion of it, it's, mm-hmm. it's fragments of it. Um, 
which then I tried to take into uh, to, to, to use in a variety of different ways and throughout the last couple of years uh, of, of work when I was still doing those types of pieces and hopefully continue on with that. Um, mm-hmm. I try to instill that into students these days, that, that importance of narrative is a, a fragmented piece that we are trying to maybe, if you think of it as a string, you're trying to pull that string and realize that that string is bringing everything with it. You know, if, if there was stuff on the line, it's bringing everything down with it. It's, it's up to you to how much do you pull that string and bring it all with you or just little fragments of it into mm-hmm. it. Do you ever want to go back? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, I have tinkered with the idea of going back for a Ph.D., Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of PhDs in my area of, of study. I think about it often. I think, you know, am I still, am I still relevant? Am I in design or in teaching mm-hmm. or in um, my interest areas? Or do I need to to do stuff? And of course, you know, the the meta answer is yes. You should always be doing stuff. You should always be learning something new. And I think I am, but. Am I doing it fast enough? You know, I, I'm the type of person that um, I finish a project and before I hit submit to, to that project being done, I'm already thinking, so what else can I do after this? What's that moment? There's no breather to think back, the postmodern of, okay, here's what I learned, here's how I did it, here's what I would learn or do differently for the next project. It's it's um, okay, I'm already starting the new project now. What's the next carrot? Yes, What's yes, carrot? yes. I love I love carrots. What's the next carrot? I mean, you've been teaching. I mean, you're still pretty young, but yet you've been teaching for over a decade. Yeah, I'm going on 14 years now. Yeah, yeah. almost a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, how is that? Well, maybe we shouldn't jump ahead quite yet. Maybe we should talk about the teaching first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. Let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, when you first started teaching... You had quite the reputation. Did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what was that uh, reputation? Chad? You know what that. You know what that reputation. Oh yeah. Is. yeah. Right. You were you were difficult. soft and gentle. Mm, soft and gentle. <laughs> in moments. In yeah. When needed. In moments. Out. I, I would say soft and gentle outside of the classroom, one on one, when you know people needed pick me ups. Once I have broken them, then I came back to, to uh, support them. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So did you, before you started taking my classes, did you already know my reputation? Oh, no. I had no idea. Oh, you okay. Were. Yeah. Yeah. But your approach to teaching, I think, was very different than anyone else I had ever learned from. Yeah. Um, I think you were approaching teaching your classes more that, like, you were expecting that we were almost like graduate students mm-hmm. of the experience you had, you know, was very fresh for you yeah, at the time. Yeah, definitely. And you had high expectations. You were expecting us to do things on our own outside of class and not be spoon fed. You kind of set a high expectation for the, the work and kind of the level we were supposed to achieve. What was, what was your driving factor behind that? I felt that at the time, you were right uh, that I was fresh in my mind of here's the grad school experience mm-hmm. and made me feel like, I wonder if I could do more with them. I wonder if if I gave them 
the push if they could rise to that challenge. And I always thought to myself, why not prepare them for grad school? Why not prepare them for a life of curiosity the way that I would like to have had that undergraduate experience? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how I approached it, especially at the, at the beginning was here is what I did in grad school. Let's do a slightly diluted version of that. So that way you can survive. And here you go. Let's get started. And here's the expectation that you're here to learn. And so therefore let's start learning. But on the flip side of feeling a little bit behind on skills, mm -hmm. what I felt miles ahead of was how to think. And how did you uh, survive? Oh, it was painful. Painful to, to learn the technology or painful to, to be in that mindset of you're technologically behind, but you're intellectually ahead? Well, intellect, being intellectually ahead and then going into an entry-level position uh, is a hard place to oh, be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to come back to the carrot question. What, what keeps you going every day? What's the next carrot? Um, you know, you've since started a family and gone through all those things as well. And that's obviously, you know, intersects with how you approach design and, and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what's next? Well, I would say that, uh, what's next professionally? I don't know. I think that, um, I have definitely felt comfortable teaching, you know, now doing it 14 years and sometimes, the same class multiple years or multiple times in a year. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel that there is a comfortability there. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Ah, that's where the carrot comes in. Mm. Um, I hate being on autopilot, you know, that's hence where the carrot comes in. So I have started taking on some other types of classes or doing some other things with the university or with students that are definitely out of my comfort zone. And I think that that, the, the idea of pulling up my sleeves and getting dirty and working and sweating a little because I don't know what's going to be, you know, like the next project or I don't know how the students are going to approach this next project is exciting. It's thrilling because it means that it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me, keeps me young, keeps me active. Next step personally, I think is trying to figure out what do I want to do with this with my one wild and precious life. What do I want to do with the rest? You know, as you said, I'm fairly young. I don't feel fairly young. I, I feel that uh, I am in the middle at this point. And what do I want to do? Looking back at what I have done, I feel like I've done a lot, but do I still have a lot left to do? And I don't know. I hope so. I really do. Um, I can continue teaching, and I think that I would still be good at it. But is that really where I am now? I, I don't know. I want to continue to, to help students. I still want to be very active. I think I want to be more active in my community. Um, I sit on a couple of boards. I'm uh, hopefully, cross our fingers, going to be sitting on, on another board that I'm really excited about. Um, I have a lot of different causes that I'm involved in and... The uh, probably the, the biggest cause that I'm involved in is my family. You know, my daughter is 
uh, still fairly young and is uh, impressionable. And in fact, she just told me the other night when we were working on something and I, uh, I left her after we were doing the sketches and I said, you know, you continue that. I'm going to work on some emails and some other things that I was working on for a type class. And she had said, you know, I want to be a designer when I grow up. I'm like, oh, oh, really? And there was that moment of, do I make a joke, because I'm a big joker, especially with her, about being a designer, following in my footsteps, uh, or do I give her that moment of encouragement and insight of, if you want to do it, here, here you go. And, and I gave her the encouragement instead. And I said, I think you can do it. I think you can certainly do this, but you should be able to, to know that you're doing this for yourself, not for me. You know? Mm-hmm. You should uh, definitely think that design is about the sketching that you're doing here or what you see me doing on the computer, but it's also about so much more. And when you get old enough, I'll, I'll talk to you more about that. And if you want, you know, take a look at the books that I, I read and, and some of the articles I've written and stuff like that. Um, so she kind of took it, I think, maybe with a grain of salt, but hopefully I, I have set the kernel of her future of, of moving forward with that. So I feel that the, uh, personally that's, that's my carrot now is my daughter. And I, I kind of have, have far gone the idea that this is really about me anymore, that it's not a hoping for a lifetime achievement award. It's hoping for the glam and glory of design, uh, a, a admiration and stuff like that. I, I think especially in 2018 in the US it is really about teaching my daughter the the rights from wrongs it's teaching her the the knowledge that she needs the the mindset of how to be a strong independent latina in the 21st century how the importance of education is not just a luxury anymore it is a necessity the importance of design education, whether she becomes a designer, a doctor, a lawyer, a, an accountant, a uh, stay-at-home mom, a family member, a whatever it is that she wants to do, is equally important to understanding the way that we deal with technology and deal with information. And hopefully that will influence someone else as well. If your daughter does become a designer, when it's time for when she's gone to undergrad or you know if she goes to school um when she enters the world as a designer what do you think will be different about the field at that time Mm -hmm. and what will be the same oh that's a good question uh, so in essence what is life going to be like in 2030 or 2040 um I think is, is part of in, in what, what, in what will be the designer's dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think understanding what the world is going to be like in 20 years and 30 years is certainly going to be the issues that, or the, the scenario that designers are going to need to figure out. I think when she is out in the field and if she were to become a designer, I think that the, Issues are going to be uh, related to information still. I think it's it's only going to get exponentially larger and more important to understand and how to, to decipher or uh, collate and regurgitate 
information in a way that is useful for not just the individuals, but for the community. I think we'll probably have a resource problem and information is going to be a currency as much as any sort of resource, water, minerals, food, and so forth. And I think that being a information advocate or an information, or, no, let's use the word knowledge, a knowledge advocate or a knowledge buyer and seller or creator is going to be one of the things that she'll have to deal with and that the rest of us will probably have to deal with in one shape or form. I think being a younger designer in the future is going to be a process that is what we do as senior designers now. There's going to be this expectation that you know so much coming out that you're just running. I think that's going to be faster and faster as we move forward. I think that's a good um, telling because I often worry about that, especially even right now. Being a print designer, being a 2D print designer, am I doing a disservice by teaching students who will touch print design a little less each year <laughs> as opposed to being a interactive designer or a UX designer? And I come back to the thought that my form of design, my form of visual communication is about narrative. And it's never been about technology. And it's always been about the stories that we tell, the lives that we live, and the experiences that we have. And I think that that is broadly applicable regardless of the medium. So I feel okay. I feel that... I've got something to teach in 20 years if I'm still teaching. Yeah. Well, I think if you think about it that way, one question, one maybe final question for you would be, sure. as we decided to do this podcast, it was both an interesting decision for both of us because audio is not a format that is comfortable for us. Yes. <laughs> so when we think of different mediums to work in. What have you learned from working in audio that using that lens, I guess? Mm -hmm. Well, I have found that my secret passion is definitely audio. Hmm. I may not be good at it. I'm not a musician. I am definitely not a singer. I don't think I have the voice for it, but, hmm. <laughs> but I have found that thinking of the audio space that we envelop our lives in is so fascinating. Now we are here in Seattle, so we're in the Fremont area and I'm looking outside these windows and there is so much activity that's going on. Mm -hmm. And, and so I listened to our recordings and I hear all the background noises. I hear all of the little idiosyncratics. I hear the breathing and the ums and the who has wet lips or you know who has a mouthful of something like they have gum that they're chewing but they're trying not to chew it i hear every little bit but now i'm much more conscious of all the other noises that are happening around me and that has in your daily me, life in my daily life yeah and that has made me much more conscious of all the other little details 
that are going on in my daily life. I would actually love to do another podcast or some, maybe it's some sort of project. Maybe it doesn't need to be a podcast. It could just be a special experimental episode. Yes. About these experiences. What is the nonlinear narrative of the audio going on? Um, or maybe, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw it out to the audience. Those of you that are listening, would you like to hear that? Email me at, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So what JP is saying as he goes on to sabbatical next year. Yeah. Oh, I'll accept that challenge. Mm. I'll accept that challenge. What, uh, what should I be doing with, I mean, I've got a project. I know what I'm doing, but what would you like to see those one offs of that would be kind of an experiment? I'd be interested in doing that. Maybe I should, maybe this sabbatical is similar to what this is design school was about. Let's do it. We'll learn along the way. We'll learn along the way. And have we learned? Oh, yes. Oof. <laughs> yeah. There were, some, there were some bumpy roads there, and here we are. Look at all the equipment around us now. I felt like it was a cell phone or it was an iPad, I think it was. So snowball mics. Snowball mics and I, iPads. Yeah. It sounds a lot better. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well... JP, it's been great talking with you one-on-one. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for chatting with me. And thank you for being my co-host. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we weren't co-hosts today. Oh, not Sorry. today, but in every other episode. I'm taking the light today. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye for now. This is Design School is recorded in the field where design happens. The intro music for This Is Design School is Electronic Nostalgic, composed by Paul Tyen and published under the Creative Commons on SoundCloud. Continue the conversation by contacting us on Twitter. JP tweets at JP Avila. And Chad tweets at Chad P. Hall. You can follow the show at TIDS Podcast. Get more info on the podcast and subscribe to our newsletter by visiting us at thisisdesign.school. Help spread the word by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and Stitcher. And share us with your designer friends. Bye for now.